Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. But I'm going to be talking about the holiness of God today. Um, and uh, this whole subject is, is a huge subject. When you begin to think about this statement that God is holy, God is holy. What does that even mean? It's not, it's not easily defined. You can't, you can't sort of really define it. And, and, and theologians, you know, those people, those people with the glasses and the long beards who, who study books a lot, those guys have been, since the beginning of the kind of the awareness of God, have been trying to define what holiness actually is. But all they can come up with is just these more and more definitions that try to explain God and who He is. Really, holiness is the Godness of what makes God God. That's what it is. It's, 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 it's the Godness of God. It's what makes God who He is. And part of it is His separation, the difference that He is different from every other being in the universe. And when you begin to think of the universe, when you look out at the stars at night, when you look at the moon, when you look at all of, the, all of His creation, if you've ever gone trekking through the mountains and you go, who made all of this? It was God. And when you begin to think, oh, it was God, man, He is not like any human. He's, he doesn't work like that. He's different. He is separate. And there's something else about God is that He stands out. He's bright. And the Bible talks about holiness as being light. Actually, when you look at the word holy, the, the, um, the etymological study of the word holy is, is, is actually, um, is actually means two things. Is, to, is separation and brightness. When you look at that word. The holiness of God speaks of His transcendence over, over creation. So there's all of creation. There's the, there's the Himalayas. There's the, there's the, there's the beautiful, uh, the, the guts of India. You know, all of those, as you're flying across India, there's just the terrain of India is inspiring. It's, it's, it's awesome. And you think God transcends over that. That's holiness. The, the, the last thing I want to talk about with holiness with God is His purity. He's pure. He's pure. God is pure. There is no sin in Him. When Jesus came and walked the earth, they kept on trying to trick Him into sinning. He didn't sin. They had to find some false accusation in order to put Him on the cross because they couldn't put Him on the cross because He just didn't sin. Because He's holy. Psalm 99 verses 1 to 5 says this. It says, The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He, lives, he loves justice. You have established equity in Jacob. You have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His footstool. Where's his footstool? For he is holy. Where's his footstool? Isaiah 66 verses 1 to 2 says that, tells us where his footstool is. Can you see it? Says that his footstool is at this place right now. When we worshipped just now, 
We were worshipping God at his footstool. The King of Kings was in our presence as we sang out our praises. That's why, I don't know if you felt it, but when that band was worshipping, man, that was like this rest in the room just came in. Man, it was awesome. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? You can't just put God in a box. You can't just make God out to be whatever it is that you think He is. You know, there's so many, I, I meet so many people and they tell, when we have a conversation about God, they say, oh, you know, God is, you know, you know it's either this way or either that's real. And really when it boils down to it, it's, it's whatever you want to believe. If God is God, it isn't about what you want to believe. It's about who He is. And he transcends all of our thoughts. We'll never understand him. In Revelations chapter 4, verses 6 to 11, I love this scripture. It says, Also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and in the back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to Him, to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord. And God to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Whoopsies. But I just want to focus in on that moment where it talks about those elders saying, holy, holy. And the person who wrote this was a guy called John who had this in a vision. The crazy thing about this book is in the the last book of the Bible. And uh, like the Bible, I don't know if you know this, is made up of all sorts of different books by all sorts of different authors. And the crazy thing about the Bible when you look at it is they all line up and say the same thing about Christ and who He was. And God, that's, that's, it wasn't just one book that some guy sat under a tree and made up. It's like, I'm going to write the Bible. It's like a coconut drops on his head and says, I've got, a, I've got an idea. I'm going to start a religion because India's got enough religions. I want to put another one in there. That's not what it's about. <laughs> what it's about is, is this, this, this story keeps on coming out and then it all comes to a head in, 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 in Revelation when this guy has a vision and sees the throne room of God and sees these elders and he sees these elders crying out and all they can say about God is holy. He's so awesome. He's so bright. He's so separate. He's so different. He's so amazing that all they can say day and night over and over and over again is they see a different aspect of Him and a different thing that they didn't understand, a different side to God. They say, holy. God is holy. N.T. Wright, who's a theologian, he, he, he says this, when Scripture calls God or individual persons of the Godhead holy, the word signifies everything about God that sets Him apart from us and makes Him an object of awe, adoration or dread. 
to us. <laughs> you know, uh, you know when, when, you, when you look out at the Himalayas, who's, hands up if you've been over to the Himalayas, you've seen it, or you've seen it, at least, you know, you've been on the internet and you've looked at the, and you've Googled it. It's like, what do the Himalayas look like? Okay, you've got an idea. You, you, when, 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 you, when you go and stand in these places, I remember the first time I came to India, I went to a place called Darjeeling and you can see the Himalayas there. You can see um, K2, I can't say Kanjanjanga or whatever it is, I can't say that word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, I, one day we were fortunate enough to have a clear day and you could see right from Darjeeling across to K2 and I was just... Now, and, and when I saw that mountain, I, I kind of felt this, this awe. I was like, wow, man, that's, that's amazing. That's huge. And then this adoration for God, like, God, you're amazing that you created something so inspiring, something ama- so amazing. But at the same time, I sort of was a little bit scared. I'm like, who... Who is this God that could create this? And it's also like, who, who is, like, when you, when, you, when you kind of face something that you can't control, it's like the Himalayas are like that. You can't control what's going to happen up there. And, they, and, and in these kind of creation acts of God, you're going to see an, part of the nature of God. Like, man, we, we can't control this being. We try to, we'd like to, but we cannot. Or Adoration. And dread, all of these three words, awe, adoration, and dread, they all symbolize the holiness of God. But, everybody say but. Here's where it gets funky. In 1 Peter, I'm going to show you a scripture that's going to mess you up a little bit. Are you ready? But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to you and I. And we're just talking about the holiness of God and what that means. We've got a kind of a, I've done a very small, uh, like kind of, I've tried my very best to show you the holiness of God, to at least give you some aspect of who he is. But then he calls us to holiness. How is that even possible? How is that even possible? When we stand before this God and we get this feeling of, of, of awe and we get this feeling of adoration, we get this feeling of dread, like, oh my gosh, this is God. How can we think that we could be holy like He is holy? And when I talk about holiness, I just want to say this. is not about morality. This is not about wrong and right. Because there was a movement once upon a time called the holiness movement that spread throughout the church. And, and uh, I grew up in that holiness movement. Anybody else grew up in the holiness movement? You know what I'm talking about. You weren't allowed to have Star Wars figurines. You weren't allowed to listen to rock and roll music. You weren't allowed to do the naughty things that were supposed to be naughty. You know, who knows what I'm talking about? It's like, it was like, it wasn't holy. It was boring. It was boring. Am I being naughty right now? Okay, you can slap me later. Okay, I have this, I have this, it's called legalism. I have this like thing against legalism. Whenever anything in my church gets, looks legalism, I'm like, I, I, gotta, I gotta cancel that because I've got an allergy to it because I know what it does to kids. It just, it just stifles creativity. It stifles, uh, uh, you know, imagination. It stifles all sorts of things and well, it just breeds angry kids actually. And, and God's healed me of that, Bijou. It's okay. And, uh, you know, it's okay. I, you can pray for me again later. So, um, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking about here when I'm talking about holiness. There is an aspect of morality that when we talk about holiness, but, but it's way bigger than that. 
Holiness is the very nature of God. <clears throat> and holiness is what, what God wants for you. He wants you to transcend. He wants you to live above. He wants you to live on a higher plane that other people don't live on. He wants to lift you up and show you as bright and standing out. He wants you to be different because He has put His nature in you. Now, moral purity is a huge element. If God was not morally pure, He couldn't be God. But He is calling you and I to separation. He wants you to be different. He's calling you and I to transcendence. In other words, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because we know who is inside of us. And we know the God that we have. And He wants, you to, he wants to make you stand out. He wants to make you bright. But we don't feel holy. Does anybody in this room feel holy? When I was told that I had to do this message this morning because Paul Christine Kane was sick and we pray for her, we pray for a healing in Jesus' name. Lord, we just lift her up and just pray for a healing. But when I was told that I was preaching, I didn't feel holy. I was like, oh, I'm not ready, man. I haven't prayed. I haven't done anything. I'm like, not ready. You know? When it comes to holiness, every human being will always struggle with this feeling of insufficiency. Who knows what I'm talking about? I, I, I feel insufficient, even as a pastor. It's like even, I mean, at every, even for this event, I'm like, gosh, are we going to fill out that room? We're going to take this room? I don't feel like it's going to work out. God, oh, God's like, it's okay, we got this. And look, look at what's happened today, praise God. Hebrews 10, actually Isaiah 6 verse 5, this is, this is pretty much how I feel most of the time when I spend time with God. Woe is me! I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's not you guys, but... <laughs> and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You can go to the next... Uh, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. This was Isaiah when he saw God. It's like, God, who am I? I've seen you. I'm insufficient. See, when, it, when Adam and Eve saw God and then when they sinned and suddenly felt that separation, this is how they felt. We're, not, we're insufficient. I believe that's why they suddenly needed to put on clothes because they saw their own nakedness. They saw their own vulnerability before God. They saw their own incompletion as they were separate from God. And we feel this. We feel this. But you know what? That's okay. This is why Christ came and did what He did because we are insufficient. And the fact is this, religion says you are insufficient and you need to do some work in order to get sufficient before God, right? That's what religion says. You study any of the world religions, they're all great, there's some great beliefs out there. But let me tell you something, every one of them will tell you there is something that you need to do in order to be a better person. The fact is, is you will always be trying to be a better person no matter how much you try. 
But Jesus came and he was holy and he stood in your place. So that you can have life and life more abundantly. He said, just follow me. I'm going to take you into life and life that is holy. So you might feel like this before God. That's okay. If you do, I want to give you the answer this morning. The answer is Jesus Christ. I mean, this is what Jesus did in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. It says, day after day, this is talking about Jesus. Every priest, who's been to a priest? Right? This is is explaining what a priest does. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which he charges for, I might add. which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he he has made perfect forever those who are being made perfect. Who's that? That's you guys. One sacrifice, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and His resurrection, He has made perfect forever, for eternity, those who are being made holy. Have you had that feeling of insufficiency like Isaiah did? Let me tell you something. You have been made holy in Christ. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds their sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. And can you put a timeline on that? I'm talking about like last night. I'm talking about on the way here when you cussed out that driver or whatever you did. And you feel bad about it and you're like, I shouldn't have done that. Some of you are like, oh, I did, I did do that. How did he know? <laughs> Let me tell you something. He is making you holy. He's made you holy. As you walk with him, you don't have to worry so much about making it right before God because he has made it right for you. All you've got to do is come back to him and turn to him constantly. That doesn't make sin okay. It doesn't make you okay to, to go out and do whatever you want to do and just be, live this kind of life of doing whatever you want. But as you are coming into holiness, as you come into Him and as you're walking with Him, He is creating in you a new spirit, a new heart. And, and you are going to start to do different things. You are going to start to make better decisions if you struggle with sin. If there's stuff in your world that, that you're struggling with. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling with addictions. Maybe you're struggling with some, some, some thought processes. Maybe you're struggling with some stuff that's going on in your world. Maybe your marriage. Maybe, I don't know what it is for you. But let me tell you something because you keep coming back to Him. He's going to make you holy. And it's going to happen through relationship through coaching, through teaching. He's going to teach you. He's given you the Holy Spirit as a gift. You've been made holy. Now let's just talk about the law. 
that, that stands in the Bible. When I say the law, not the law of the land, I mean we do follow that, but the law of the Bible. You think of the Ten Commandments. Okay, there is a law in the Bible. Now these are just an aspect of the laws of this universe that God has created. And it's not a law that we have to follow in order to be good people. This is what you've got to understand. This is a, the, the holiness is not about being a good person. Holiness is about being with God. Holiness is about being like in relationship with God. We've made it all about, oh, you know, you've got to do all of these wrong and right things. It's not about that. These laws, of whatever the Bible has given us is an outline of how to live, of how to live our lives. Uh, these, these are the laws that shape the universe, that they've come out of the mouth of the creator of the world. You understand? So when, when you start to talk about holiness, it's about coming in line with something that he has created and saying, you know, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God as the creator of this entire universe that I'm going to follow his ways and it's all going to be okay. Rather than, I don't know if God's out there. I don't know if it's working. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what about this and that. I'm just going to live my own life. Listen to me. When you, when you start to walk down that path, you're going to walk into areas where stuff goes wrong. Stuff comes untied. Relationships get broken. Addictions get formed. Stuff starts to happen in your world. And you're like, why did I get here? It's because of a lack of holiness. Because the Creator, He has made a way for you to follow. And if you just follow it, it's going to be all okay. But if you don't, well, you're going to find out the places where God isn't. And those places that God isn't is in separation from Him. And in those places, there's going to be a separation from the life force of God. The Spirit of God who wants to guide you, who wants to help you, who wants to show you the way, who wants to be with you. These laws transcend anything. Now, we can't follow them without Him. This is the other thing. They come from His very nature. They are a part of Him and who He is. They, you can't just say, I'm going to follow God and, and, and be a good person. That's not how it works. In the Garden of Eden, man, I've got to finish. I've got so much to say. <clears throat> I'm just going to finish up in a few minutes. In the Garden of Eden, there was how many trees? Did you say that because I held up two fingers? Anyway. <laughs> There was two trees. There was a tree of life which Adam and Eve had access to. They, they had access to. That tree of life gave them eternal life. That tree of life gave them the relationship with God. That tree of life was everything for them. They could eat from that freely. It was in the center of the garden. In the, in the center of the garden, there was another tree. Tree of the knowledge of good and... Okay, God said, don't eat of that tree. Because if you eat of that tree, you will surely... Why would you surely die? You know Why? Because that is another way to God. That is God's law. You've got to understand this about that tree. We can't get to God by following His law. We need the tree of life. And I'll tell you who the tree of life is. It's Christ. When Jesus came, He came and said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through. Now He was either mad, He was either crazy, or He was actually onto something. And that's for you to actually find out. I wouldn't just leave that and say, oh, no, I don't know, I don't believe that section of that. If God is speaking, you need to make sure that you know whether or not it was true. These, these laws are only fulfilled in Christ. You need to have 
access to the tree of life in order to stand around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You need to have access to the tree of life. You need to have access to that tree that you can eat from freely in order to even stand in the presence of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because as soon as you think that you can eat of that thing, you're going to start climbing a ladder and it will be never ending. You'll always feel insufficient. You'll always feel like you're not making it before God. You'll always feel like you've got to do another thing. You'll come to church. You'll I don't know if I should lift my hands. I don't know if I should worship. I don't know if I, could, I should sing because I, I don't know if, if I'm even holy. If that's the case for you, you've got to have a bite of the tree of life which is here and present for each one of us this morning. It's Jesus. But you know the devil, he's really smart. He knows that he can do a couple of things to, in order to, to rob you of your purity. He knows that he can do some things in order to make your eyes fix on something else other than God to be the answer to everything. And he knows that it's, it's, it, he's, very, he's very cunning because he knows how to get you. The Bible talks about don't have idols of the heart. Idols of the heart are things in our heart that, that actually... They shape our decisions. They shape the way we live life. They shape everything that we do. You know, money can be an idol of the heart. Money. How easy is it for money to become more important in our world than God? You know, uh, when your bank account's empty, right? And someone says to you, it's okay, God will provide. They'll be like, Or if you, if, you tell, if you tell a really, really, really wealthy person, say, hey, listen, give up all of your wealth and you'll be okay. They'll be like, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. That's okay. You can be wealthy. It's, it's, you could go ahead. But let me tell you something. That can become an idol. That can become, can become more important than God in our worlds. So many things. Relationships. You know, I, I, we have a lot of single people in our church. Hello, if you're... Okay, it's all right. You know. <laughs> For our single people, one of the things that could become an idol is a relationship. Because you've got to have that. It's like, I don't know, I've given up on God. He's not providing for me. I've got to get, I've got to, I've got to get something happening in my world right now because I'm single. And I'm ready to mingle. And my mom and dad are like hassling me. They keep asking me every phone call, what's going on with that whole marriage thing? You're getting old. You know you're getting old. You're going to miss the boat. Can become an idol. Can become more important to God. We, 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 than God. We, when God, we finally meet someone, and God says, "Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on." That's not, that's not the one. That ain't the one. Oh, but God, like, <laughs> he's from a good family. I mean, he's not a Christian, but he's from a good family. It becomes an idol. God's saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't go there. And we walk into these things and, and, and all of a sudden we find, oh man, I've stepped out of purity. I've stepped out of relationship with God on this. I've, this has become something more powerful to me than this life force called God. And who knows what happens when we walk down those paths. 
When we step out of the holiness, we step out of purity. When we step out of God's goodness for our lives, things get really hard. These struggles happen. I could get, I could get you, I could get people. They give story after story of when people have made that choice to walk out of purity. Let me tell you something. I want you to, I want you to hear this from me this morning. Keep your purity. Don't give it up. If God is speaking to you about stuff, listen. Even if it doesn't make sense at the time, He is trying to guide you into holiness. He is trying to make you transcend. He is trying to actually make you live above the norm. He's trying to actually help you. Let me read this to you. The one thing the enemy is going to go after is your purity because he knows it's the one thing that will separate you and I from this holy God. That is why the most attractive and most lucrative opportunities that promised fast that promise fast and large payoffs will require laying down of one's purity. You know, I pray for our businessmen in our communities. I pray for the businessmen of, of, of each of our churches because there comes moments when the payoff will be so big and so lucrative and so amazing that you will question whether or not you're going to follow God or follow the money. And you know, the enemy, well, I'll read this to you with that in mind. The devil knows how much purity is worth. And if he can buy one's soul with things like gold or flesh, he knows he has bought this at a severe discount. As he has not got the ability to buy it for what it's actually worth. A soul that the enemy tries to buy by tempting one's purity, well, the soul is worth the death of God himself, Jesus. That's how much your soul is worth. Your soul is worth the death of God himself. That's how much he paid for it. That was the only thing he could do in order to buy you out of sin. It's the only thing he could do in order to buy you out of separation from God. It's the only thing that he wants for you is to believe and follow him into this purity so he can teach you his ways and teach you how to transcend, how to live above, how to live a better life, how to live the life that you are actually born for. I want to finish with this scripture, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16. Read it from the screens. Or maybe I won't. Just give me a sec. Yeah, here we go. You. Look at the person next to you and say you. You. You can almost think of this scripture when you're, when you're talking about this. Um, this was Jesus teaching his disciples. And, and you'd almost think that this was God talking about himself, you know. But he's talking about you and I, his followers, his disciples. He says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Listen to me. We live in a performance-oriented 
city. I mean, it's all about how you can perform. It starts in an early age in school and keeps on going, right? In this performance-oriented thing, what can tend to happen is in us we get this grit and this desire to perform and achieve no matter what. And whether or not it's morally right, whether or not it's, it's correct, well, that at some point gets tossed aside and says, well, I've got to get to here no matter what. But God's calling us to holiness, right? So much, so many people are, are trying to be better than, to be separate, to be on that pedestal, to be famous, to have a big Instagram account, to do this, to do that. These things are all good. It's all good to have ambition. It's all good to do something great with your life. It's all good. But, but let me tell you something. The one thing that's going to set you apart and make you brighter and make you more holy, that's going to make you a, 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 a shining light in this country and in this world is holiness. It's holiness. It's why the enemy is going to continue to go after it. He's going to continue to try and get it because he knows what's in you. And it's almost, like when, it's almost like this life that is waiting for you to live. That's like just the DNA is in there. Once it comes, that element, and, and God touches and puts His hand on it, it just kicks into life. It kicks into, into operation. He, you begin to stand aside, and you actually begin to stand separate and stand above and begin to walk in a way that no one has ever else ever seen. Who's, who's, who's creative out there? You begin to start thinking creative ways that no other people have ever, ever thought of. Because you've stopped looking at everybody else and comparing yourself all the time and getting all scared about what they're doing. And you're actually looking at God and He's beginning to put something that He's put inside of you to life. <laughs> you are the light of the world, church. You. Now let's just think about this. That word holy, when we say holy, what was the, what was the meaning of that world? It was, that word is light and separation. You are the light of the world. God is going to put His holiness on in you so that you can be the light. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. They won't be able to hide it. Yeah. <laughs> so worried about our bosses putting us to the side. Listen to me. Don't worry about your boss if that's what he does. If he's threatened by you, if she's threatened by you, don't worry. Because a town built on a hill cannot be Hidden. Go for it. Just worry about your relationship with God. Worry about your purity. Worry about walking with Him. Worry about hearing His voice. Let me tell you something. If you could do that like Daniel did when he was living in, the, in Babylon as the prime minister, you can do it. Let me tell, me, let me tell you. You've got to read the book of Daniel. I think every Mumbaiker should read the book of Daniel. Because there are going to be people against you. And you know what? The one thing that they're going to go after is your holiness. Neither do people put a light, uh, neither do people put, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They're going to say things like, how could an air conditioner mechanic from Perth, who's white, 
stand up in the city of Mumbai in a mall with his friend Biju and do a meeting like this. You know, God, God's going to, I'm an air conditioner mechanic by trade. You know, that's, I'm not, I, I'm like a, the air conditioner mechanics. You know, guys are coming to fix your air conditioner. That's what I was. Nothing special, man. But God, man, as I walked with him, he put this gift inside of me that is just still growing. And we've seen people come to the Lord. We've, we've established a church. We've done something amazing in this city. We've done something incredible today. I know with Biju. Pastor Biju, I know that, that when, I, when, I, when I think about all that you've done with your church and then Vision Rescue, and I'm like, that's God, man. That's God. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi. 